my old Bible that I've used for years and years and years. In fact, that Bible is sort of special to me because it was given to me by my grandparents over 50 years ago. And I've been using that Bible, preaching from that Bible for all these years since, but it has just become so badly dilapidated that I finally just had to send it off. When I called the people about getting it rebound, I sent it up to Virginia somewhere. They said, you won't get it back this year. <laughs> It'll be next year before you see that Bible again. Oh, man, that's hard, to, that's hard to put up with when you're used to a particular Bible. But that Bible is, as I said, special and valuable to me. Uh, and uh, so I look forward to getting it back and start using it again. Have you got a Bible like that? Have you got a Bible that's just really special to you in, in a particular binding? I'm talking about specifically. Have you got one that you've had for a long time and you're just used to using it? Maybe you've got notes in the margins and other things that make it special. A lot of us do. I mean, that's very typical for us. And that's a good thing, I think. But actually, when you think about the Bible itself, not a particular binding like you and I are, are, are attached to, but when you think about the Bible as a book itself, it is really very, very special. It's a precious gift from God. And so this morning for a few minutes, what we want to do is just talk about the Bible and a description of the Bible that we find in the inspired text and what it tells us about this gift from God. We want to talk about the Bible this morning. We stop here just briefly to thank you all for being here. We have a good crowd and a number of visitors, and we're grateful that you are able to be here to be with us. We seek to glorify God by all that we do this morning. We certainly pray that that will be accomplished. As we worship Him and study from His Word, we're going to be trying to do everything in accordance with the Bible and the authority that it lays down. And we'll be looking for, thus saith the Lord, in book, chapter, and verse as we engage in this study this morning. If you have questions, even if you have disagreement, please let us know. And we'll try hard to work that out because... We, we are committed to following the Bible in all that we do. Thanks for being here. Thanks especially to our visitors. The text that we want to use for our study this morning is the one that Logan read for us a few minutes ago from 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to focus in on verses 15 through 17 where Paul says to Timothy. Now remember Paul was very close to Timothy. He called him his own son in the faith. There was a very special, strong bond that existed between Paul and and Timothy, although they weren't physically related, he felt that kind of kinship with him. And he says to Timothy, From a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Someone has said this is the best text in the Bible about the Bible. And maybe that's true. It certainly gives us some real things to focus on concerning this Bible, this gift from God. I want to suggest to you one of the things that's true about the Bible that Paul mentions here is that it's really very simple. Notice Paul says that Timothy had known these things from a child. A child should be able to understand the vast majority of the truths that are related for us in the Word of God. How often have you heard someone say, though, oh, man, the Bible, it's just so hard to understand. I can't, I can't grasp it. It's, 
It just, I, I'm just so confused by the Bible. I give up trying even to understand what the Bible says. Well, those who have that opinion of the Bible are wrong, and certainly that reaction to the Bible is wrong. Did you know that the Bible is written on a fairly simple reading level? For instance, different versions are different, but, but for instance, the New King James Version, lots of us use that from time to time. The New King James Version is judged to have been written on a seventh grade reading level. So that's not too complicated, is it? It's not like that you have to have advanced degrees from a university in order to be able to read the Bible. Someone in the seventh grade should be able to read the New King James Version of the Bible and make sense of it. And so it is relatively simple. Now, we acknowledge that there are parts of the Bible that are harder to understand than others. We're not denying that. Some sections are more difficult. But overall, the Bible is a pretty simple book. But when you stop to think about that, uh, that makes sense. Why would a loving God make a present to us of this Bible, but make it so complicated that only a few elite intellectuals could make any sense of it? That, doesn't, that, wouldn't, even, that wouldn't even fit, would it? It wouldn't even be sensible for God to do that. And so the fact that God has presented to us a message that's simple and easy enough to understand, that's a great thing. Timothy had known the Bible from his youth. Now, let's stress that part too. From a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. The Bible is knowable. It's simple. It's understandable. You can know. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 32, You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. This is the truth. This is the truth of God. And it is a knowable thing. Timothy knew it. Paul said, from a child thou hast known, past tense. It's not that you're still working at it and hopefully one day you'll finally figure it out. No, from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. fact of the matter is that we are even commanded to know the Word of God, to understand His will for us. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul says, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Wow, that's a command, isn't it? We are commanded to understand the will of God. That being the case, since we're commanded to do it, it clearly would indicate it's possible to do so. And so it's it's a simple message. It's a knowable or understandable message. That's really important. We have the mind of God revealed, and we can do it. We can understand what He told us. The Scriptures are referred to as the Holy scriptures they are the holy scriptures we understand the idea of holiness sanctification the idea is to be set apart for a special purpose lots of us got together with our families and others uh, on thanksgiving day this past week and my guess is that several of the moms and wives maybe drug out the good china to serve that special meal on you know Uh, we don't use those plates every day Uh, We only use those on special occasions like a Thanksgiving meal or some other time when family are gathered together. They are set apart. They're set apart for special uses. We understand that, right? 
Well, that's the very idea of the word holy. And so these are the holy scriptures. They're set apart. This, there's books. There's books all over the world. There's millions, billions, I suppose, of books that have been written through the centuries. Uh, of them all, this one is unique. This one is set apart. This one is holy, set apart for God's special purposes. Of all the books that have ever been written, the Bible is the most special. It's special, of course, because of its author, its source. It comes to us from God. That makes it special. Um, the subject that it deals with, uh, how to live our lives in order to access heaven in eternity, that makes it special. The very purpose of the Bible is to guide us in ways of salvation. It's special. It's a holy book. I was telling you a minute ago about having sent off my Bible to have it rebound. Uh, in the pages of that Bible somewhere is a note that my grandmother gave me years ago, maybe, maybe when I was 16 years old or something like that. And I stuck it in the pages of that Bible uh, and it's been there ever since. And you know what? When I sent it off to get the book rebound, I forgot to take that out. <laughs> and, and my hope is that it will still be there when I get the Bible back. Because things like that make it special, set apart. You know, you, you know some books, I'm sure you've got a lot of books at home, and you might use a book for a, for a doorstop at some point, you know. This book, nothing special about this book. This, we just use this book to keep the door open. No, not the Bible. The Bible is holy, special, set apart for special purposes. The Bible contains the holy scriptures. Now there's something else right there that is important, and that is the word scripture itself. They are the holy scriptures. And this is a simple observation, but a very important one. The word scripture, you know, and we never use that, do we, except when we're talking about the Bible. But the word has a very literal plain meaning and the literal plain meaning of the word scripture is things written that which is written that's all that scriptures mean you can see the word script in there can't you and that gives you the idea of something written in script and so the word scripture just means that which is written but the fact that God gave us a written revelation is really really valuable to us when we stop to consider it what if Every one of us had direction from God, but it was something that he whispered in your ear. He whispered somebody else a different message, somebody else yet a different message. Well, that, we wouldn't, how would we come together to serve him uh, as we do in, in the church? The, the fact that there's a a unified, written revelation from God is really important. You know, there was a day way back in time, we've been studying in Sunday morning, about God dealing with the patriarchs, in particular Abraham. And in those times, God did speak directly to individuals. There weren't near as many individuals around then as there are now. Can you imagine the confusion that would exist if every one of us was getting a different revelation from God, something that He revealed to us in some different way? Maybe a vision or a dream or something whispered in your ear. We, it would be very difficult, but not the case here. This is a written revelation. Uh, there's no hidden code. You know, you don't have to. You don't have to figure out 
what the different symbols mean. It's, it's not like deciphering some kind of code. You, you know, back in uh, war times when they communicated messages between different stations, they would use code language. And you had to know the key to the code in order to be able to decipher it to get the meaning. Uh, they say, of course, that one of the big turning points in World War II is when the Allies were able to decipher the code that the Germans were using to communicate between one another. Uh, they went a long time before they were able to do that, and of course, that's, that's difficult. If you, can't, if you can't figure out what the words mean, you, you're not going to get the message. That's not the case with God's message. In fact, Paul in Ephesians said, just read it, just read it. In Ephesians chapter 3, beginning verse 3, By revelation, Paul says, God made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. And so Paul said, he revealed to me, I wrote it down, all you have to do is read it. It is a written revelation. Uh, that's really important. I don't know if we spend any time appreciating the fact that we have that simple, noble, holy scripture from God. Furthermore, let's talk about the word inspired. It says all scripture, there's that word again, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So this message that we have is an inspired message. Concentrate on that word inspired for a minute. I know that you know because we've talked about it plenty of times in the past, but the word inspired literally means, when it says inspiration of God, the literal meaning of that is breathed by God or breathed out by God. All scripture has been, all scripture, that is everything written here, has been breathed out by God. That's how that sentence would read if we, if we just tried to put a literal meaning on all of the aspects of it. All that is written here has been breathed out by God. Well, you think about that initially, that seems kind of weird. Breathed out? What's that mean? But as we've explained, and as I know that you know, when we speak, we breathe out. And so... Uh, the little experiment that I suggested to you before, hold your hand in front of your face when you're speaking and you'll actually feel the air coming out of your mouth and hitting your hand. Because that's how we speak. That's how we form words. We expel air out of our lungs and it comes past all the intricate design parts of our vocal cords and our, our throat, even our, the roof of our mouth and our tongue and our teeth and our lips. All of that works together. But what we're actually doing is that we're shaping that air as it comes out. We are breathing out when we speak. And so that's the idea of inspiration, that the, the things written here in our Bibles are as though God himself spoke the words. That being the case, every word that we have in our Bibles is there because God wanted it to be there. Some people have a faulty view of inspiration in which they suggest God gave various men sort of broad, general ideas, and then he let them put those ideas into their own words. Uh, you know, so the Apostle John, for instance, wrote a lot about love. 
God gave him the idea to write about love, but then he just expressed that in his own way. Whatever came to his mind, however he wanted to flesh that idea out, he did. Uh, and so, that being the case, the specific words, you've got to be careful about making an argument based upon specific phraseology or words in the text because the words are just there by the choice of a fallible guy like John. The idea of love is inspired, it's noble, but the words that John used to express it, they're just the words of a fallible human being. So don't, don't hang, don't hang your, uh, your argument too strongly on a specific phrase or word because that's just what John thought. That's, that's, that opens up all kind of trouble, doesn't it? That sort of notion is, it basically makes the Bible almost useless to us because how do we distinguish between the parts that God wanted to us to know the parts that are given by God and the parts that are just the product of a fallible human being. The people who have that idea, for instance, will go to the Apostle Paul. And when the Apostle Paul wrote about the role of women, uh, a lot of people in our day and time dismiss that. That's just Paul. You know, and everybody knows that Paul was a male chauvinist. You can disregard whatever Paul said about the role and work of women because that just reflects his own prejudices. That's not from God. If you take that view, how do you know? How would you distinguish? This is from God, but that's not, and so forth. And so it would make the Bible basically useless. But Paul says here, all Scripture is as though it has been breathed out or spoken by God. We sometimes use the phrase verbal plenary inspiration. Verbal, word for word, plenary, full, complete. The Bible is fully and completely word for word inspired by God. Now we understand, of course, that the Bible wasn't written in English. We're reading English translations of the original text that were in primarily Greek New Testament, Hebrew Old Testament. But in those original languages in which the Bible was written, every word was there because God wanted them to be there. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. The Scripture is powerful. There's a couple of words here that I want you to concentrate on. Again, this text in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 through 17 has, has been described as the best Bible text about the Bible itself. And I think that may be a pretty good way to look at it. But notice, up here he says, From a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise into salvation. He says the Scriptures are profitable down here. And so I think this speaks to the power of the Word of God. I imagine most of you fellows have had the experience that I've had when you've got a, a, a job to do and you have a tool... Maybe you have to run out and get the tool, maybe buy the tool. And this tool is supposed to be able to do the job that you need to get done. And you bring it home and you try to put it to work and it won't work. It just doesn't do it. It doesn't get the job done. It's not, it's, it, the tool is no good. It's not fit for what it's designed to do. That is very frustrating. Well, I want to tell you that's not the case with the Word of God. It's able. It's powerful. Uh, it can do fully what God wants it to do. The Bible will fully function to do all of God's planned work. 
There's, there's some words here. Just briefly, although we could speak, speak for a long time about each of them. The, the Bible is profitable for doctrine. Uh, the word doctrine, very simply defined, is teaching. And so the, the Bible is designed to teach you what you need to know. There's some things we really need to know. It's in the Word of God. It's profitable for doctrine. The word reproof is a word that suggests that the Bible exposes and points out error or sin. So we, we, we learn what we need to know. It describes or defines to us sins that we may be guilty of. But it doesn't just tell us what the sins are. It tells us what to do to correct that situation. Information, exposing sin, telling us what to do about those sins, and it gives instruction in righteousness and the emphasis here is on then how to live right, practical application. The, the scriptures give us information about practical application of godly principles in our lives. And so the Bible is a powerful thing. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jews first and also to the Greeks. And so... The, the gospel is powerful. The Bible is powerful. I suggest to you that this passage and others tell us that it is absolutely complete. Notice, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. The word perfect here is the Bible word. We would probably use the word complete, that the man of God may be full or complete. That's the notion of perfect here. The old King James word is throughly furnished or fully furnished, thoroughly furnished, we would probably say, unto all good works. So get this, I think it's really important, it's certainly important to emphasize this in the world today. If it's a good thing that you need to be doing, it's here. If this is a necessary thing, if this is, if this is a good work that you need to be engaged in, it's here. You don't have to worry that, you know, I'm thinking that God probably has some additional requirements, but he hadn't told us yet. Or he's got some additional requirements and he told us, but we haven't found that book yet. Uh, God, God's got some additional rules for us to live by, but we're just absolutely unaware what they are. No, don't have to worry about that, do we? When we have the inspired Word of God, we have that which makes us full or complete, perfect, completely, thoroughly furnished to all good works. By the way, this idea of good works, God identifies good works, doesn't He? This book, the Bible, tells us what are good works. And we, we should never think that we can add to or improve upon what God has revealed. Yeah. Tonight in the sermon, I want to talk to you about a fellow that I visited with recently who suggested maybe a way of improving upon God's plan. And we can't do that. The Word of God advises us in everything uh, that is necessary for good works. Uh, if it is good and we need to do it, it is here. So the Bible is complete. And finally, let me suggest to you that this is a soul-saving message from God. Notice, 
Timothy had been given the Holy Scriptures, able to make thee wise unto salvation. There are a lot of other good books in the world, good for various purposes. For instance, uh, you ladies probably have some cookbooks at home that are pretty good. When it comes to fixing a great meal like you did the other day, perhaps, these cookbooks are really fine for that purpose. It's a good book. You fellows, when you start to work on your car, maybe you've got a book that describes how to fix your car, how to work on different parts of your automobile. Uh, it's a good book if you've got to fix your car. Uh, these days, you know, we, we unfortunately are just tied up with these computers, aren't we? We just, everything about the computer. Maybe you have to read a book about how to use that computer effectively. Good books about various things. There's lots of good books. There's zillions of books out there. I suppose there's zillions. I don't know about that. Maybe exaggerating. I'm sure there are billions of books out there at a very minimum. There's books about every conceivable thing. But I'll tell you, this book, the Bible, is the one that deals with the most important thing, and that is eternal salvation. And as we point out so often, ultimately nothing else matters. The, the salvation of our souls is, in the, in the end analysis, the only thing that matters. As it has been said so many times, if you miss heaven, you've simply missed it all. Nothing else matters. This book tells you how to go to heaven. This book talks about our salvation able to make thee wise unto salvation. Well, as I said at the outset, my old Bible is off somewhere now being fixed up. Uh, I'll miss it till it comes back. That, that, one's, that one is special to me, and I know you have Bibles that are special to you. But I want to tell you about the Bible in general. The Bible in general is, how should we say it? The Bible is the be-all and end-all. When it comes to this message from God, it is it. We need to cherish it. We need to strongly appreciate what God has done for us in the Bible and through the Bible. We need to value it. And most important of all, we need to learn it and obey it. And we end our lesson this morning with a simple question to you. Do you cherish the Bible? Do you... Do you honor and respect this message from God to us. If you do, then that would indicate that you not only know it, but you have committed yourself to obey it. And I hope that's the case. But if it is so that there's someone with us this morning that needs to obey that gospel message for the very first time, we, are, we encourage you to make that decision. Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized for the remission of sins. If we can help you in that, we want to do so. If you need more study, say so. If you're a Christian already, but you're in need of the prayers of the saints, let us know. We'd be glad to pray with you and for you. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song.